0: Welcome back to the Faithful and Fearless podcast with your hosts, Liam, Lizanne, and Kira, back for another episode. I hope y'all had an amazing week. I know we sure had a great weekend. Um, (laughs) On Saturday night, or Saturday morning, we went down to Big Sur, which is a very beautiful um, camping river hiking spot. Near us in California, um, and we were going to swim. Um, well, well, we weren't. You, I was.
1: You had the idea of swimming, and I, I was too. Clearly, okay. was not.
0: Well, we thought we were going to swim, but you know, we ran out of time. Um,
1: not the fact that it's November and freezing cold.
0: No, because I still would have swam, but. We, we were on our way to go, but then it was like one o'clock in the afternoon, and we were thinking of having people over for dinner, so we had to get going.
1: Should I test this theory and go back next week and see if you actually swim?
0: Yeah, we can do it. I'll swim. I guess y'all will find out if I actually swim on <laughs> next podcast or not, but I'll be swimming for sure. Uh, Kira, would you? Maybe. Maybe. If I jump in first. Maybe. Okay, all right. Anyway, Saturday night, I made tri-tip and mashed potatoes, and Mommy made some green beans. That was um, a good dinner. Was a good dinner, and we had a we ate it out by the fire uh, by our fire pit, um, and on a whim decision, we were thinking of actually camping on Friday night, but we ended up um, at a at our uh, park with a bunch of friends. Um, so we never actually made it on Friday night, but, um, so I said, why don't we just put the tent out and camp in our backyard on Saturday? So that's what we did.
1: Very rustic camping.
0: I yes. know. It was, you it were was on the crazy. ground.
1: We had a yeah, air so,
0: mattress. Very thin air mattress. Mom, you and Kira, very thin. <laughs> the air mattress was like three feet thick. It, so y'all can imagine this. A mattress is like a foot and a half thick. This thing was like a mattress and a box spring put together.
1: What's the problem?
0: It's an air mattress. It barely fit in my tent. It fit. Barely.
1: But it fit. <laughs> For the record, I am never deflating that thing again.
0: All you had to do was lay on it.
1: It took a lot more than just lying on it. I looked really stupid. It was fun camping, though. Yeah. Until 4.30 in the morning until it was Yeah, amazing.
0: so anyway... I had my little foot pump air mattress next to their big old three foot thick one. So my air mattress is like three inches thick compared to their three foot thick one. Mine was maybe two inches. Maybe
1: two inches. Maybe
0: two, (laughs) but, um.
1: But you had space for you. I had space for me, and I slept like a log,
0: and they slept like not a log. They didn't sleep at all. Um, You
1: forgot to bring the heater in this rustic tent of ours, so.
0: Yeah, so me, what I would call glamping with my th- uh, two-inch thick mattress, my mom and my sister would call roughing it.
1: That was not glamping.
0: With with that for that me using that mattress, that was glamping for me. I mean, generally, I wouldn't even use a mattress. Like for my birthday, two years ago, I I just didn't even use a mattress. My mm. friends used all the mattresses in there. And I still slept like a log.
1: That's awesome. Happy birthday! Yeah.
0: But anyway, it was um, you know the the sleeping bags nice and warm for me, but apparently not warm enough for everyone else. They at four thirty in the morning, I heard my sister say "Good morning, America," and say it's too cold for this, and (laughs) they they woke up and went inside to go sleep in. We had a
1: good backup plan.
0: Yep. and so I decided that I'd test out the big old mattress because I hadn't tried it yet. And I jumped in and immediately needed to go to the bathroom. So I decided it wasn't worth trying to sleep again. Um, went to the bathroom outside, went inside, made myself a cup of coffee, and just sat down, read my Bible for a bit, and then watched Duck Dynasty until, until it was time to get ready for church so that was our morning this morning um i'm i felt really energized this morning after that because uh you know
1: it was fresh and cold it was and fresh crisp. and
0: cold and crisp yep uh, all right so we should probably get you know rounded back up into uh our focus on for our today.
1: creation conversation
0: yep so last week we talked about the first six days of creation um, You know, we talked about the creation of the heavens and the earth, the light, the dark, the trees and the fruit, the fish and the birds and the whales and the man. In this next chapter, well, let's see. So, um, I'm going to read um, verses 1 through 14 and, Mom, you can read 15 through 25 to finish off the chapter. All right. So we're still in the KJV version here. Um, So chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth where they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground and the Lord formed a man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and became into four heads, The name of the first is Pison, that is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bdellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, and that is it which goeth towards the east of Assyria, And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Carry your favorite one. Verse 15.
1: And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof Thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to the every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought unto brought her unto the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed
0: all right well there's a lot to unpack in this chapter here um, so, first thing I think to unpack is that, going back to, um, Genesis 1, um, it said God created man in his own image, um, but in chapter 2 was when God actually formed man with his hands, um. So he created the idea of man, created the um, the image of man, the likeness of man in chapter one with everything else, but he also um, he also created uh, he created the man in uh in chapter two. But let's get into the <laughs> the meat of it, I guess. Um, with the thing that stands out to you the most, Mom, what do you see
1: so I think right off in the mid, the beginning of chapter two is where it highlights again the importance of the sabbath that's this is where it starts right if If God said, on the seventh day he rested and set aside for all the work that he had done, and we see that later on, yeah, um you know this is important to God, so it should be important to us.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kira, the thing that stands out to you the most, what do you see?
1: Um, the thing that stands out to me the most is um, probably that um, God made Adam first and um. Adam didn't have any help or anyone to be with him, so Adam was just essentially, like, really lonely. hmm And um, so God made woman mm-hmm. from his ribs.
0: Yeah. Um, for me, the I, I can't really pick one, but the two things that stand out to me the most are chapter 2, verse 7, where it says... Um, he formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. And in um, verse... let see, where is it? Verse... Uh, where is it? Oh, verse 18. Um, it says, In the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. Um, first of all, going into verse 7, um, you know, basically, it you see one main other example of God breathing, and that would be, uh, or, sorry, two main examples of God breathing, but the um, those two would be the God-breathed words of the Bible. The Bible is God-breathed, but using the breath of life there's only one main other um, example. That was when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. Uh, those were the words that were used in the Gospels, was that Jesus breathed the, the Holy Spirit into these disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into verse um, 18, this is the first time that God said, it is not good. The whole entirety of chapter 1, God was saying, and he saw that it was good. And for the first time, he's saying, it's not good. I need to create someone, um, create someone for man to be with.
1: And it's not good for him to be alone, is what he was saying. It's not that his creation was not good.
0: right? And just going
1: back to that point, we've got the lead up of chapter 1, where God created everything and it was good. Mm -hmm. And then when he creates man and woman at the end, on the sixth day, is when
0: he said it is very good. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the thing he said. Yeah, it was very good. So, that's... The, the interesting thing is kind of... Um, now, I understand kind of why... Um, or I should say I don't understand the exact putting together of this um, chapter. I think the first seven verses should be at the end of chapter two because the rest of it ties in with the creation story and then the sabbath is mentioned it's kind of jumbled up where the sabbath is mentioned and then the rest of creation is mentioned after the sabbath right
1: Um, and it could just be where it's kind of giving us the timeline and then going into more detail about the creation of man where initially it's just saying what and when he created right um so it could get a little confusing there, but the main thing is that, you know, knowing that God really has, from the beginning, set apart that seventh day and made it holy. Yeah. Um, Not that he needed the rest or that he was too tired from his creation. It's just that he needed to simply recognize his activities were finished. He blessed it, made it holy, and really could sit back and delight right. in what had been created or breathed into life
0: which actually ties in perfectly to the sermon today at church mm-hmm. um today we were talking about exodus 35 um and you know how this really highlighted the sabbath and the first verse of exodus 35 said if anyone doesn't honor the sabbath they should be put to death um now obviously in today's time it's not so much a physical death as it was back then, as a spiritual death. Um, you know, today the Sabbath is not a day where you're literally meant to um, not do anything on the Sabbath. You know, you, you you can still work on Sunday. You can still. I mean, back in the back in Jewish days, if you even using modern terms, ripped your toilet paper on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders would come and hurt you. Um, someone once described it to me that people would if if modern day people followed it that extremely they would pre-rip their toilet paper, pre-cook their meals, pre-do everything the day before so that they didn't have to work and you're supposed to have a limited number of steps and you aren't supposed to leave the house um on the sabbath day because that was too much work. Uh so obviously today we're so not You don't wear your Fitbit. <laughs> yeah, if you if you wear if you wear your <laughs> your Fitbit <laughs> no. on that day you, you, you yeah, you know, you're not supposed to counter steps, but
1: the point though. The point is... being,
0: yeah, today, you know, we're obviously not supposed to follow that. Um, so literally, as much as the Sabbath, we're supposed to honor it. Um, use that day, in particular, amongst every other day, to, to do uh, to worship. But um, like in the sermon today, um, you know, spending two hours in the Word whereas other days you might not be able to do something like that
1: and Um, it may not for everybody just their lifestyle pastors work on a Sunday people work on a Sunday It might be part of their ministry or world but setting a day aside more than others to really highlight the the rhythm of of setting yourself apart really spending that time yearning wanting to be with the Lord um, yeah. and it just creates a, a heart uh, willing to want to be with Him um, but it, I mean, we see the example that even the Pharisees in the New Testament um, try to catch Jesus out by healing on the Sabbath day, right? right? And so we're not going to be legalistic about it but I think it's important that if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us and we yep. should follow that.
0: Yeah, and that uh you can see the Sabbath being talked about all over the Bible. Um, and obviously one of the main ones is the, uh, you know, the the Ten Commandments, uh, where one of the, you know, the Fourth Commandment is, you know, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then, yeah, and the <laughs> Pharisees coming to try to trap Jesus, that... I was just, you know, looking at it now, it's almost, I don't want to say laughable, but it's just, how could they, you know, instead of celebrating that Jesus had healed this man, and that he was walking again, they were saying, well, why would you do it on the Sabbath? Um, and so they were just, you know. They were surprised that, you know, not as we were talking about a, a little bit ago, they weren't so surprised that he actually healed the guy, but they were more so surprised that he was doing it on the Sabbath.
1: Well, it reveals a condition of the heart, right? Yeah. Um, I think it. if you're so stuck on the laws, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and you don't see the miracle, you don't see the blessing that Jesus gave you know you're you're gonna
0: miss it right. and so yeah and actually that's um also recently been been uh you know i've seen a point recently about that as well um in the book jesus plus nothing equals everything um and that was talking about one of the worst things to do as a christian is to be a legalist on either side to believe that your works will save you just by doing good works is being a legalist in you know strictly following the rules you have to follow it all the time um and on the other side of that is being a legalist on you know god will forgive me so i don't have to follow the rules um and it you know highly warns from legalism because legalism is a very dangerous trap um and I don't know exactly where I heard it from, but, you know, I, I, it must be a common saying that the best lies are often filled with truth. Um, and that's why Satan is such a great liar, right. because he's the master of deceiving people by putting out what seems to be the truth and what is 90% truth, but with a fundamental, um, you know, fundamental thing taken out.
1: Right, so we're going to see
0: that pretty quickly in Genesis 3 next week, right? Especially in Genesis 3, because I know I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead, but I think I I can kind of mention it here just (laughs) as a prelude to next week, but, you know, Satan said, you will not surely die after God said you'll surely die if you eat the fruit, which in a sense, he was right. You weren't going to drop dead right as you ate the fruit, but your souls will die and you will die later on in life. Because you know you couldn't keep eating the the fruit of the tree of life after eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, so we're gonna get into the na- get into that next week. Um,
1: so remember verse seventeen.
0: Yes, uh, three seventeen and two seventeen. Two. What do you mean? What is that?
1: Chapter two, verse seventeen, 2 is where 17. what what God tells us. Oh
0: yes, 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 yes. yes. Sorry. Two seventeen, I thought you were saying where where mm-hmm. it happens in chapter three um, it's actually um, it is kind of kind of close there, but um so
1: tell me a little bit about the rib why why did God form
0: yeah so it's um I think. The Well, one thing first is that people often assume that woman, the word woman, came from saying womb man, as in a man with a womb. You know, people, people, I don't know, I've heard people say it, they're like womb man because the woman gives birth and the men don't. So they're womb men. Um, But, you know, we can see uh, in Hebrew, men were the The word for man in Hebrew was ish, um, and the man for woman, or the man, the word for woman was isha, and the the suffix ah, I'm pretty sure means of. Don't quote me on that, but you know if you want to look it up, I think the Hebrew suffix ah means of or from or something. So isha means of man or from man. Um, taken from man, and the you know the Bible specifically says, um, and he she she was called woman because she was taken out of man. In verse twenty three, um, now if we get into verse twenty four, um, verse twenty four and twenty five. um, uh, Oh, you have it here. Okay, mm-hmm. so it says the suffix a-h appears on word and of many Hebrew words and words and means of God or from God. Okay, so um, I see. So isha basically means man from God. Um,
1: oh, you're just a man. I'm a man from God.
0: <laughs> which also, if you technically think about it, women are iron men because you know if you male and you add the you know chemical symbol for iron which is fe you get female so technically women are iron (laughs) men
1: you had to throw that in there yes yeah i did
0: so you know i don't know exactly
1: um how
0: does tony spark feel about that tony spark you mean (laughs) tony stark (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh that's funny so you you asked me why she was taken from his rib um so i think you know that's why i said going into verse 24 where it says therefore therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh Cleave is a word that means join or stick to, um, very strong, a, a strong verb, um, and so basically my thinking. I don't know if I'm exactly right on this, but my thinking of the why God took her from took her from man's rib was because she completes a man, um, and without without a woman. A man is incomplete. Um, and without without marriage, they're incomplete. And marriage, you, you get married to become one flesh. You cleave together. Um, and...
1: Well, and I think also there's this idea of woman is the helper fit for man, right? right? And so you're not... It's not a clone. It's not a duplicate. It's not a separation. They a bone of my bone flesh of my flesh mm-hmm. is what god said and so yeah, we're and created in an his image and then the kind of this idea of where where the rib is located right it's it's alongside mm-hmm. so that's where woman comes alongside as a help meet for a man and working together right. to worship god is the ideal
0: and a- another thing that um you know i i this is probably me kind of just you know, taking a really long shot here, but I always thought of it as, well, what do the ribs do? They guard your heart and your lungs. So what does your wife do? She keeps you in line, she helps you um, grow in your faith and she guards your heart, Um, you know, especially, um, you know, maybe not guarding your heart per se, but being there to help you. And so does a man for a woman there to protect her, um, and the ribs the ribs not only guard your heart but they protect your vital organs. Um, so a man, since he's the rib, could be there to protect a woman um, in 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 life, you know, if they're walking down the side of the road at night and <laughs> some guy tries to rob him, um, you know the man's there to protect her um, and that's. That's, that's kind of been my thing. Unless thinking she's an Iron
1: it. Man, then like she doesn't need protector. <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> but right. But, you know, people don't actually have those flying suits of iron, just like, you know, raccoons don't actually fly spaceships and talk. Um, yeah, so, um, one thing I also wanted to dig into slightly was verse 25, um, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Um, you know, this this um, you know I I would think this is a sign of them being naked and not being ashamed is their sign of integrity because they you know I especially looking here in my study Bible that's what it says it says their outward nakedness was a sign of their integrity. They lived and moved without guilt, shame, or fear of exploitation or threat. Mm-hmm. So, not only were they, um, you know, they didn't really care that they were naked, but they also had no guilt and shame. And I, I think, you know, also going into chapter 3 a little bit, you know, they, once they ate from the tree, they hid from God and said it was because they were naked. But I, I I think they knew they were naked before. But the only reason they were hiding from God was because they were ashamed of what they had done, and so.
1: I think there's a bit of a innocent, like lack of awareness. It wasn't a thing, but you know prior to their sin, right? But right. It, clearly, their sin is what separates their relationship or their yeah. communion with the Lord, and so there is that that sense of shame for sure. But I think it's just that that natural unawareness almost like an innocent well, child. Well, y- yeah, and mode.
0: it's like, it's not that they were, um, basically what I mean is that it wasn't that they were ashamed of being naked because they were still naked together. They were hiding together, but they were just ashamed of being with God because their bond was broken uh, because of sin, like you said. Um, and just that, you know, they couldn't have that closeness. And after they had realized what they had done um and that the devil had deceived them um that was when they they hid from God both because of shame of uh of what they did, but also um they didn't feel super close to god anymore and so that's i think that's a it could go both ways too. <laughs> but I don't think they were, you know, s- specifically hiding from God just because they were naked. Because they knew they were naked beforehand, mm-hmm. but they were just not ashamed of it before um, than they were later on, because they'd lost their integrity. They had, they had done a dishonest thing and were were guilty, mm-hmm. uh, guilty of it.
1: Yeah, and I guess you know, obviously they had the knowledge now and they knew, right? Yeah, they knew. Yeah. the difference.
0: Um, yeah, it was, um, you know, just like, uh, what the devil did to them, because in that he did tell the truth, you know, going back to the best lies have truth in them. Um, you know, the devil told them they would have the, you know, they would be like God. They would, they would be able to tell, um, everything that God knew. And in a, in a, in a way he was right and he was telling the truth, but uh, I mean, it is easier to get people to believe you if you tell 90% truths or have truths, um, just a fundamental, um, fundamental thing left out. I mean, especially, I mean, especially false doctrines of today, you know, it's really easy for people to look at, um, look at things and say, oh, this looks good. It sounds just like Christianity, um, but, you know, it's more tolerant of things of the world, um, especially progressive Christianity and, and all these other false gospels uh, like we talk about. Um, and, you know, they they have the outside appearance of Christianity, but the fundamental beliefs change who jesus is and what he did um and really just change what 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 everything is i mean the bible is one solid entity it's not you know it is split between old and new testament but the new testament doesn't replace the old testament it fulfills it jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it um and uh i was trying to oh that's one thing i also wanted to bring up um kind of going back to what we were talking about last week proof of proof of god um how god took one of adam's ribs the most simple thing how women biologically have one more rib than men in today mm-hmm. now people may say oh but they just knew that well how would they know that they didn't have x-ray technology back then well they could have counted through the skin i think it it would be a lot more um a lot more difficult to assume that every woman had one more than than man than than to just already know that that's how God created it. And I think a lot of things with the Bible is that people assume that everything is coincidence and, and all of this, but just for this all to be coincidence um, is not possible. I saw this video of doing calculations that um, for Jesus to fulfill just eight of the Isaiahic prophecies about the Messiah, it would be something of, uh, 10 to the 16th power zeros, um, which would be like, I don't, I can't remember exactly, but multiple different round trips to the sun and back. Like we were talking about last time with the DNA reaching to the moon and back, the chance of Jesus just getting eight prophecies true would be reaching to the sun and back. And the example that was used was if you dropped dollar or half dollar coins in the entire state of Texas, two foot deep, and then you marked one and dropped it in, mixed it around the chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight of these prophecies is the same chances of you trying to get a friend to pick the right one on the first try thinking of that, just f- to fulfill eight, eight of them. So the probab- and Jesus fulfilled the over of 300 of them. So the pro- probability that one man filled over 300 prophecies that were said 1,500 years before is impossible. And the Bible is... Some people can still claim that, you know, the Bible is just a made-up story, story tale, but historians use the Bible as an accurate source of history Mm -hmm. and if a historian if a historian uses something and people still want to argue against it well people just don't want to see the truth it's not that it's not there people just don't want to see it um yeah so i think we're gonna end it here um
1: one one other point that i'd like to reference is where prior to this that there was no rain oh yeah and and the way that there was a mist that rose from the earth,
0: yes, thought,
1: thought that was interesting. Yeah, and how we are going to probably talk about just the idea of you know Adam being set to work is not as a result of sin. So work is not necessarily a bad thing. It wasn't as though it came that it was um, a directive that man is put into the garden to work and to keep
0: it, right? right. Yeah, and, oh, and one other thing is that, you know, um, the land where the Garden of Eden was, um, you can go there today and see it because it's in between Ethiopia, Assyria, um, and the Euphrates River. And you can just go into that area, which is known as Mesopotamia, um, which means the land between two rivers. Um,
1: and just the importance of... But the, of- Of naming all four and where they they flow and, you know, what will come out of those regions. Yeah,
0: And it's, I mean, there's just so much to dig into. Um, The Bible is (laughs) an amazing book. You know, people, especially um, people saying that the Bible is just a fairy tale. Um, You know, the Bible is not, not just, like I was saying earlier, the Bible is one story. But the Bible is not just one book. You know, it's 42 different books written over a span of 1,500 years or more um, you know, that tell one story. And for that amount of knowledge to be written so far apart and still line up exactly the right way, um, it has to be God-inspired. Pretty amazing. And, you know, it it's God makes it undeniably clear that the Bible is true. Whether people want to believe it or not is a different story. You know, there are basic truths that are people, people are denying today that are proven to be fact, that are, not, that are not relying on solely faith. But one line that I love and that I'm going to use to finish this off from the movie A Case for Christ is, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian— it's a, it's, a, it's a leap of faith either way. Because believing in God or not believing in Him, either way are a leap of faith. Because, And a, a quote from C.S. Lewis as well, if, if, if you are a Christian and you turn out to be wrong, it's of no importance. But if you're a Christian and it turns out to be right, it's of the utmost importance. Because if you're a Christian and it all turns out to be fake, if there's no God, if there's no heaven, there's no hell, you just end up in a hole in the ground. Nothing happens. But if you're not a Christian, and it turns out to be true, there is a God, you're going to hell, and you don't want to be in that place. And either way, it's a leap of faith, because if you want to make that decision to be called crazy by the world um, and possibly end up with a Savior versus loving the world, everyone loving you, and possibly ending up in hell, which one would you want to take? (laughs) Uh, Another... uh, (laughs) I just keep thinking of new things, but this is going to be my last, I promise. You know, some people say, you know, the saying, one foot in heaven, one foot in hell. There's no such thing as that. Really, you got one foot in hell and your other foot on a banana peel. And one day you're going to slip. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll. Yeah, uh, you, can't be you can't be half half. half you're half either half fully frame. committed to God, you're fully committed to Hot Jesus, or cold. you can't be lukewarm because God said, if you are lukewarm, he will spit you out of his mouth. All right, so I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I mean, I know I surely did enjoy talking about it um, and enjoy reading it, uh, reading reading, uh, Genesis chapter 2. So we'll see y'all next week for Genesis chapter 3. You know, we'll be recording episodes hopefully every Sunday, God willing. Um, But yeah, uh, we will see y'all in the next episode. So have a great rest of your day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening. Um, and, yeah, we'll see you later.
1: Bye, everyone. Bye.